Hey everyone, happy Friday, happy Friday. <laughs> the best day of the week, right? We're all happy with Friday, I certainly am. Uh, even though I love my work, love, love the week. But um, what we're talking about today is preparing to lose weight, which uh, should be an exciting topic for everyone because a lot of people are pre preparing to lose weight um, up in their head, but I'm talking about a different preparation. I'm talking about an active preparation. I'm not talking about in your head thinking about someday I'm going to do this. I'm talking about how do you actively prepare yourself to lose weight, right? Because what do we do? We're, we're all or nothing. We're either losing weight or we're not thinking about it. So what's that middle ground, right? How about you approach weight loss and set yourself up for success? <laughs> Is that possible? I think so. So we'll talk about how to do that because uh, this really gets to the heart of my approach to weight loss is that, you know, let's do the typical scenario, right? Usually someone, when they start to lose weight, a lot of times when they get to that point, they say, that's it, I've got to do something here, right? They get to that point and they're depleted mentally, emotionally, physically, energetically, spiritually, <laughs> financially, emotionally, you know, relationally, everything is just depleted, you know, because usually, what is it? People have kind of hit their rock bottom, right? Even with the weight loss. Now I got to do something, you know? And so what do they decide to do? <laughs> they decide to go all in on some crazy, you know, diet, workout plan, whatever, what have you. And so you're just exhausted, overwhelmed, and uh, in, a, in a depleted state. And you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I got to change this. So tomorrow I'm going to cut half my calories out. <laughs> I'm going to start going to the gym every day. And it's like, when you take a step back and look at it, like, Oh, good luck. You know, it, it seems like, you know, you're already depleted and empty. So how are you just going to use more energy? You know, how are you going to output even more energy? Well, what's going to happen now? We don't think of it that way, right? We'd never think of it that way. Cause we just do it. We're kind of caught up in that way of doing things, but wouldn't it make sense <laughs> to prepare yourself? To, and I know you're not going to like this because, again, what, what you would have to do to make this happen is you'd have to have a little bit of patience, right? You'd have to slow your roll, as the kids say. And so um, you'd have to take a step back and say, okay, I really want to do this. I, I've had it. You know, I'm fed up. I'm sick of living this way, looking this way, feeling this way. I'm going to make a change. And I'm going to start by relaxing <laughs> by taking a couple of days to just chill out, get extra sleep, drink some water, uh, you know, kind of just calm down, uh, nourish my body, eat some extra fruits and vegetables just to kind of power up the machine. Right. Um, and then, you know what I mean? Then, then I'll take a step forward. Now, I also think that, you know, the idea that you're going to pop into uh, a diet plan, I, I think dieting is such a dumbass strategy. You know, it's like, um, What's the average diet? I love it now too, right? And you know, it's, it's so dumbass because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, Weight Watchers, because they're probably the leading diet, you know what I mean, o over time, right? And so it's like they used to say, okay, you're going to start 1,200 calories, right? That's what, the, that's what Weight Watchers would say. Now now that's considered a starvation diet, so now that they've changed their, their tune a little bit, you know, but um, most diets, you know, for most people, that first day, you know, on average, they're cutting 40, 50, 60% of their calories, which is... It's, it's a huge cut in calories, right? Just first, just like if you just magically, just easily just cut out half your calories right off the bat, that's going to be hard times for you, okay? You're going to be hungry. You're going to be tired. You're going to be angry, cranky, right? All of these things. Um, but it doesn't just happen automatically. You have to make it happen. And then you have to kind of like, you have to micromanage every little food decision. So not only are you cutting your calories down, um, but you are excessively... <laughs> All right, I'm going to get back to what I'm talking about, but someone just wrote, my present diet is 250 calories and no carbs. I hope that's 250 calories every three hours. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so anyway, so, so people cutting their calories down 50%. And, but what happens is you're, you're cognitively, you have to make all these food decisions. See, understand, like most of your eating is on autopilot, right? So you don't have to think about it. Right? This is what's causes the problem in the first place. But most of your eating, you just do on autopilot. And so when you go and diet, it's like all of a sudden you have to micromanage. You have to think about every little diet thing. And, um, you know, it's really important that uh, you recognize how much energy it takes to all of a sudden manage all your eating that well. 
So this person writes in, I'm eating 250 calories and no carbs, 53 days, and I lost 31 pounds, right? Everyone, please look at that and say, uh, so what? No offense to you. Uh, I'm not going to say good job, but I mean, because I, I, I don't agree with any of that, you know, because what's the point of eating 250 calories? Um, but I appreciate this because that's a new extreme, you know, in, in the sense that the, the water, water fasting people come. What do you think of water fasting? Well, I think it's horseshit. Um, I think it's a goofy, you know, I, I don't understand the point of it, but okay. But everyone knows, I think everyone knows I'm fasting. There we go. I'm fasting. Yeah. 250 calories. Sure. Right. You breathe that many calories if you walk by a bakery. Um, okay. Let me, let me take it down a little bit. I, I don't, I don't want to seem aggressive or, or confrontational here. I, l- let me say what's going to happen. I don't know what your goal weight is, but, but I want to say this for everyone else's benefit um, because this is an extreme example, but it, it proves the point everyone's dealing with when it comes to weight loss. 250 calories and no carbs. I'm fasting. Um, but, the, but the key thing that everyone's going to look at is I lost 31 to each their own. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but let me ask you this. And I, w- I would love if you, if you ask me some more, but people say water fasting is really good. Oh, is it typo? No, it's, it's not. I know, I know this person is probably means 250 calories. They're fasting, but let me ask you this. How long will you be able to do this for? Answer me this. How long were you able to do this for? And once you're not able to do it, what do you think will happen to those 31 pounds that you lost? Okay. And this is the question I want to ask and I want answered. Um, two cheat meals a week. Where, where, did you mean 250 calories a day? You know, are you fasting for 53 days to lose 31 pounds? And if that is true, where do you go once you stop doing that? Or do you plan on fasting and eating 250 calories a day for the rest of your life? Because everyone listening to this, you have got to stop being entranced. Literally, I'm a hypnotist. I understand hypnosis. And I am telling you, there is no faster way to put someone who's overweight into a trance than saying, I lost 30 pounds in two months. How did you do it? Please tell me what you did. (laughs) It's the second you hear the weight loss numbers, I lost 50 pounds in three days. I lost 80 pounds in two months. As soon as you hear those numbers, you go right into a trance and you stop using your logical brain, right? So we have this person saying, I eat 250 calories a day, a a low carb, high protein diet. Did, Did you mean 250 calories? Let's just get this clear. First of all, did you mean 250 calories? Cause what's low carb? High protein on 250 calories, right? You're saying 20 different things. So I think they're trolling probably. But the point of it is, because I get this stuff all the time, um, water fasting is really good, right? Why would anyone think that water fasting is really good? For what? What's water fasting good for? You Again, and, and so I'm saying, whether they're trolling or not means nothing because every day I'm helping people see through the trance of fast weight loss with unsustainable methods. And so is water fasting good for losing weight quickly? <laughs> because I put on the end of that, that it's really bad for losing weight long-term. Previously, I lost 48 pounds and only gained 12 pounds back. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I get, I'm glad you're writing this stuff. I, I, every, every comment makes me think more and more it's trolling. Um, but I want people to see this because again, you're people that are genuinely trying to lose weight. You're, you're just entranced by this and you keep falling for the shiny object, the fast rapid weight loss. And it causes you to not to wonder how you're going to maintain it, right? And so, and again, I don't know, maybe the person's trolling and water fasting is good for you, right? Um, well, it's good to lose weight quickly. I wouldn't disagree. You know, you could lose weight. Probably the fastest way to lose a lot of weight is to water fast. I, I can't think of a better way short of water fasting with, with a like high uh, intensity interval training on top of it, right? For uh, months. That's probably the best way to lose a lot of weight fast, okay? But you've got to look past the, the short-term into the long-term strategy, what you're going to do, right? And so if that person was legitimately in 250 calories a day, and I, I'm, I'm kind of laughing about that, but I'm not because there used to be the HCG diet, which I don't know if it was still around, but, um, you know, this was a good example of this where they would, they would give you HCG, which is a hormone pregnant women cr- um, produce. And, and they would give you that. So that's going to help you lose weight. But the main part of it was that the main part of it was that you ate 500 calories a day. You know what I mean? And so it's like, that, that was a real diet. That was a very popular diet for a while. But it's like, as soon as you start, like your plan is I'm going to eat 500 calories a day. Like, what's the point? 
Do you know what I mean? Like if it's not a sustainable method, what are you going to do? Like you're just going to water fast and get your weight really low. And then what? Talk about that low weight you achieved for one day for the rest of your life. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like what is the point that you're after? Right. What are you looking to do? You know, um, my brain wants to lose weight quickly. I'm this close to taking Ozempic. I get that. I understand that. It, it's it's so hard. You, and this is what I'm trying to tell you. And I don't know if you believe this or not, but you we've all been exposed to millions of weight loss advertisements in our lives. And um, what ends up happening is that you think about weight loss in an, in an unusually artificially short time frame, right? Because I always say like, if you're going to become a bodybuilder, you would never think like, okay, I'm going to do this for a month or two months and I'll see where I'm at, right? Because that just naturally has a longer time frame in your mind. But weight loss is really not much different. But when it comes to weight loss, you're looking at like, how much I lose today? How much I lose this week, this month? Right. And so it's really important that you start looking at um, the longer term of it, because that that short term fixation is keeping you stuck on this loop of all or nothing. Right. You do this extreme thing and then you can't do it. And then you go back to nothing and then you get really pissed off or upset or sad about your weight. And then you do all extreme things for a little while and then you do nothing. And it's like, how many times have you done that? You know, so it's like it, it almost has to become like part of the problem. You know, like you try and get yourself to eat well when you're when you're dieting it's part of that, that level of focus needs to be aimed at you feeling more patient with this process because it's the weight loss in like, cause the thing is you don't even want to lose weight. You want to live at your goal weight, you know? Um, so I don't know. Let me, let me see what this person is saying. Cause I, I just, I again, I, I feel like they're trolling, but I'm going to do it. I feel like I, I don't know. Like my brain wants to lose weight. I maintain my weight watcher, my weight by restricting five days a week and binging two days a week. It's an unhealthy cycle. Yeah, sure. That sounds like a, yeah, I don't, again, each one to do it. I don't know if we're getting a lot of eating disorder people here today or what. So in the past three years, originally left 48 pounds, only gained 12 back from fasting. Fasting becomes a lifestyle practice. How is it that you don't change your diet in between fasting? The only part that you're missing is the part that I don't gain it back. So this is an all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, it sounds miserable to me, but again, like you said, to each his own, you know? And so, you know, it's, uh, all I can say, okay, so I will say this. I feel like there's a there's a number of maybe eating disorder people on here, um, and I always like I'm more. I don't I don't deal with eating disorders. I deal with helping people lose weight. Um, they're struggling to to eat less, and so where we all meet in the middle is what's the goal here? What are we looking to do? Because if we just chase a number, then it's almost a guaranteed path to feeling not good <laughs> feeling unfulfilled unhappy because the the number in and of itself is not um what makes you happy your weight is a means to an end and so if you're water fasting if you're eating 300 calories a day um then you know yeah you'll you'll lose some weight but it's a miserable quality of life you know and if you keep chasing a number on a scale and again if you're overweight and you're just chasing a number on a scale you think, oh that weight's going to be make everything better it's not if you're miserable with how you're achieving that weight, then you're going to be miserable, even if you're at your goal weight. I hope that makes sense. You need to choose a goal weight that's going to give you the best quality of life, okay? So when you're thinking about your goal weight, you have got to take into account the lifestyle you need to lead in order to live at that goal weight, okay? And so for some people, you may have to raise that goal weight up a little bit, right? Because if living at your goal weight, the number you keep saying is you eating 500 calories a day forever, that's a shitty quality of life. That, that, that weight in and of itself doesn't make you happy, you know? And so it's important for you to recognize that now, you know? Um. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this person, yeah, okay. So doing 500, 500 push-ups in an hour. This is awesome, man. You're killing it. You know, you are an extreme person for sure. And so it's important to recognize if you're an extreme person, you go, you know, do stuff like that. But if you're not an extreme person, which is most people I find, then you want to find a slower, more stable way to create the results that you want, right? I, I think that's a smarter approach to make it happen, right? And so, um, you know, so where, where were they? I, I give me all off track here. Yeah, but losing weight is never fun. So who's going to enjoy it? Um, yeah, who said I'm going to maintain this diet forever? Then who said you're going to maintain the weight forever? So what's the point? You know what I mean? So you can tell your, your grandkids that you weighed X amount of pounds one day. <laughs> you know? So what's the point of it? Um, losing weight is never fun. I disagree. I think it depends on how you do it. Okay. And so people think losing weight isn't fun because they overcorrect right? What's the classic diet mindset? Day one, what are you doing? You're cutting 50, 60% of your calories out, 
right? That's like saying like, I never played the piano and I want to play the piano, but I'm an extreme person. So I'm going to practice eight hours a day to get really good. Okay, great. After the first day, I can't move my hands. You know what I mean? I need like seven days to recover. And in essence, that's what people do with the weight loss is they so overcorrect and they do, they take, they overwhelm themselves. Do you not feel that folks? <laughs> do you not? You know, it's, um, it's just crazy. What's up, Vicky? All right. Now we get some, some sanity in here, right? Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, I tell you, like, you don't, you just don't believe this, but literally we're all to some degree in a, a trance, a literal hypnotic trance, um, with the weight loss, you know, because again, it's millions of ads, you know? Um, and it just, it, it skews your thinking. You know what I mean? Like you literally can't even think logically anymore because we've had these ads shown on our face like a million times, just this rapid weight loss before and after pictures. I lost this much in this many days. You know, and so that's just like it, it gets to this point that people can't even think about weight loss without thinking about dieting. They can't separate the two, you know, and so dieting is such an overcorrection and it's the only way you can think about losing weight because if you think about doing slowly, you just not, aren't motivated. It's like, nah, that sucks. I can't. Nah, that's too low. That doesn't motivate me. I need to lose weight fast. You see, and as long as you stay in that mindset, I need to lose weight fast. Again, it's only extreme plans that you can't maintain. Is this am I talking crazy? <laughs> I feel like I've entered crazy pill land here today. I just ate chicken today. I feel bad. I'm trying to be vegan. <laughs> All right. Um, why are you trying to be vegan? You know, because again, I, I'll say this, you know, like um, I always feel like I'm a vegetarian, well, a pescatarian. <laughs> I always said I was a vegetarian that ate fish, but then I found out being on social media is a funny thing, you know, because you 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 realize there's people that, that take things a lot very seriously, right? And so if I say I'm a vegetarian that eats fish, people get upset, you know? So I'm a pescatarian, Okay. But I used to be a real big meat eater. I'm a, every day of my life ate me growing up multiple times. But the, the vegetarian idea came up to me and it almost felt like, like sexuality. I just felt like once I realized, I was like, oh, I'm a vegetarian. It, it just felt like that's what I was. And so I became a vegetarian, but it just, it just it felt like who I was. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't something I forced on myself. And so I, I kind of learned a lot from that approach. And so... Um, Again, I don't know why you want to be a vegan, you know, but I would suggest that when you say you want to be a vegan and then you go and eat chicken, take a step back and just kind of, you know, do I really want to be a vegan? I say this to people all the time in my program, like with the weight loss, because we always make mistakes. And I like to bring it right back to square one and say, do I even want to lose weight? Because you may not want to lose weight. You may not want to be a vegan. And so when we screw up or make a mistake, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of start with square one motivationally and say, do I even want to lose weight? Do I even want to be a vegan? Now, I don't ask that question sarcastically. I ask it genuinely because if I do, because I ask this myself so many times with the weight, do I even want to lose weight? And when I would ask, it, I would say, yes. And this was like after I ate the wrong food, after I binged, do I even want to lose weight? Yes, because I want to da 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 And I, I would articulate all the reasons why. But notice that difference. It's not me just assuming I want to lose weight. It's me asking, do I even want to, which causes me to come up with all the reasons I want to do it. So I would suggest you do the same thing. Here you go. You want to be vegan, but you ate some chicken today. So go back to the drawing board and say to yourself, do I even want to be vegan? And you may say, ah, you know what? I don't. Now you're clear. You got more clarity. Or you may say, yes, I do because of blah, 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 blah. And now you're more clear about the reasons why. Okay. Um, Anderson, Bill, you're forgetting the fact that I lost 48 pounds and kept 36 pounds off for three years. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lena, it's fine. Chicken is good for you. Don't worry. All right. Yeah. No, you make sense. However, there isn't arrogant in your prison. <laughs> well, some people become vegan for the environment, you know? Yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, people do what they do for lots of different reasons, you know, for sure. Um, there's an arrogance in my presentation. Well, I mean, do you blame me? <laughs> you said 15 different things here on this thing. Um, which I like entertaining because I like, I like kind of a little, little give and take here. You know what I mean? Because, I'm so certain with the the methods in the, I've done over 5,000 private weight loss sessions. You know what I mean? I've, I've been coaching weight loss, um, weight mastery for so many years that uh, I'll take anyone's, anything they want to say, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I can handle it in real time. Um, I feel like what you're saying is kind of conflicted here, you know, because I think you're trolling, but um, either way, either way. So um, it gets to the point though, like, like what I want to bring out is that it's the extreme stuff though, you know? And it's like, again, what puts you into a trance is as soon as you see, I lost X amount of pounds in X amount of days, 
right? You've got to be on the lookout for that because that's a hypnotic trigger for you to stop thinking logically. And I want you to stay logical. <laughs> and so when you want to lose weight, start it by saying, okay, this plan I could do and I might lose 40 pounds in a month, but it's completely unsustainable and it's miserable. This plan, I might lose 10 pounds this month. I might lose five pounds this month, but it's easy, it's enjoyable, and I could maintain it. It, feel, it makes me feel good. And what happens, and this is what no one ever thinks about, after the first month, right? Because if it's, oh shit, I'll take the 40 pound one, thank you very much, okay, great. But let's take the five pound one because the real story happens after the first month. <laughs> and this is what no one thinks about. This is the hypnosis you go into with the dieting is you just look at the first month. You just look at the first couple of weeks. And what happens is the story unveils itself after the first month because now month two starts, right? Mr. 40 pound weight loss with the 200 calories. How's month two going? Let me know. Well, I'll tell you what usually happens. Uh, binging, overeating, putting the weight on quick, feel like shit. Can't stop thinking about food, hungry all the time. Okay, so we end month two and now this person's put 30 pounds of it back on. Okay, they still got 10 pounds. And month two and the other one, they've lost another five pounds. But it's easy, it's enjoyable, it's comfortable. Great, let's go to month three. <laughs> Do you ever go to month three in your head? <laughs> Does anyone ever go to month three? I don't think so. And so now we go to month three and now this other person's still obsessed with food, absolutely starving all the time, um, putting the weight back on. Now month three comes and they put 20 more pounds on. Now they're 10 pounds heavier than where they started, feeling like total shit, okay? And now the other person... They lost another five pounds. Now they're 15 pounds down and it's easy and enjoyable. They feel good. And now it's starting to become automatic anyways, right? Now never, month four, who thinks about month four? <laughs> it's so right. It just goes on and on. So there's a saying, right? That people overestimate how much weight they can lose in a month and underestimate how much weight they can lose in a year. So I would suggest that you start orienting your mindset to a year long time frame and start here, I'm gonna just blow your mind with this strategy. How about if you wanna lose weight, you start, because we've got the diet, right? So you're gonna start tomorrow, 60% cut in calories. Okay, there's that strategy. And there's another strategy that you can't even imagine what I'm gonna say. It's so, it's so absolutely progressive and mind-blowing that you couldn't even imagine what I'm gonna say to lose weight. <laughs> what is it? You take a look at how you normally live and eat, right? And you say, okay, let me look at how I eat. Take, take a step back and look at it. And you say, let me, figure out my worst habit, my worst eating habit. Maybe it's eating at night. Maybe it's eating as soon as I get home from work. Maybe it's eating too much at dinner, whatever. You pick your worst eating habit that happens multiple times a week. And you say, you know what? I'm gonna focus on that one thing. I'm gonna focus on that one thing and I'm gonna get some, some uh, you know, mastery over it. I'm gonna come up with some strategies to help me solve that, that habit. And I'm gonna work on that and focus on that. And you spend a month or a couple weeks on it and you get some real strategies that work for you. You make some real forward progress with it. And then you move on to the next one. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now I know that, that you probably don't wanna do that because you're like, oh my God, I need fast results, you know? But what else in your life, like if all you cared about was just getting fast results that you would succeed with, right? I, I can't think of anything. And I know you want, listen, I'm not saying you just want slow results. I'm not sitting here saying don't aim for quicker results, but I'm saying don't just aim for fast results. That that. Is that not what keeps you trapped? You know what I mean? The way you're thinking about it? Um, is as if this platform on my end offers my perspective clarity. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, so yeah, so anyways, so it, it's really a mindset game more than anything else. You know, that that's what I'm, I'm ultimately kind of telling you here that uh, I just made this video, you know, that, that if you, cause do you believe at this point that you can lose weight? You know, I do these, these all the time. And it's like, you know, if you've been trying to lose weight for decades, you know, um, and it hasn't worked. It's natural to create the belief that I can't lose weight. You know, you start to take it on as if it's a personal shortcoming, as if it's the reason you can't lose weight is because there's something wrong with you, as opposed to realizing that it's the horseshit strategy you're trying to follow, you know, of fast, rapid weight loss. You know, I always joke, like, it's like the way people try and lose weight, it's like if you wanted to learn like a language or an instrument, and the only thing you would learn from are like, Learn Spanish in 24 hours. Master, you know, become fluent in Spanish in one week. You know what I mean? Like you're just obsessed with these shortcuts. And that's how it is with weight loss. But you don't even realize it because it's so normalized. That, that's just how everyone's trying to lose weight, you know? And then it's like, and, and this is why you're in a trance because it's right in front of you. Who do you know that's lost weight long-term on a diet? 
Do you know anyone? When you have a friend that says, you know what, I'm going to go on this new diet, right? And, and it's like, they say, oh, I'm going to do this new thing. I'm going to lose weight. Do you ever believe them? Is there, is there a cell of your being that's like, yeah, you're, you're going to do it. <laughs> what do you mean? And again, I don't say this to be an asshole. I say it just to be like, do you not think this? Like it's right in front of us and we're just missing it. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're missing the bigger point. Yeah. My mom did lose weight long-term. How'd she lose it? What'd she do? I'd love to hear her strategy. You know, I, I'm obsessed with long-term weight loss and how people do it. I've been obsessed with that for 30 years, you know, always after it. I have rarely, I, I'm not saying I've never seen someone on a diet lose weight because there's always outliers, but I have rarely seen someone using a diet to lose weight long-term. What I have seen consistently from people that have lost weight long-term is it's become this inside-out transformation that the biggest shifts they've made is they've changed the way they think about themselves, about food, about exercising, their health, and their lifestyle. And they've created a whole different way of being. And it's much bigger than a diet. You see, the diet's this idea that you just need a plan and you're just going to follow it. But you got to recognize that the problem, the main problem you have is not that you don't know what to eat and what not to eat. The main problem is that you can't get yourself to do it consistently. You see? Well, gastric bypass surgery. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and again, I mean, that that's an extreme thing and I'm not, I'm not judging it. You know what I mean? Like there's a time and a place for that, you know, fair enough. But what I'm talking about here is, you know, how to lose long term. You know, and it's like, I'm, you know what I'm talking about. It says, oh, well, my mom lost a long term. Yeah, well, she had surgery. She had major surgery to do it, which is, again, it's fine. But, but don't act like, oh, yeah, it's just normal. Mom did it. You know, she had to do something pretty extreme. Right. And then ultimately, by the way. And so if I don't know how long she had the surgery ago, but just having that surgery doesn't guarantee you're not going to gain weight. OK, because even if you get the bypass or the lap band, you're going to have to deal with how you're going to eat eventually. And there's plenty of people to get the surgery that never deal with it because yes, you have to eat less food, but a lot of people just eat less food all the time and they put the weight right back on. So at some point you have got to deal with the emotional mental pieces of it. And so I'm glad that your mom dealt with that. Okay. But there is more to it than just the physical shrinking of a stomach. There's more to it than just give me a weight loss plan and I'll follow it obviously, right? So we, you know this intuitively on some level, but I just want to make it explicit that truly what's going to dictate your success ultimately is not the plan that's in front of you. It's your ability to influence how you think and how you feel so that you can behave the way that you know you should. Because again, if you were a robot, you already know enough about what you should and shouldn't eat. If you were a robot and you just typed in what you were going to eat all day and then you just do it, you wouldn't have much trouble losing weight. The problem is that you know what to do and then it comes time to do it and some part of you compels you to do the wrong thing. And you're like, what? why do I keep sabotaging myself? You know, you're not sabotaging yourself. What's happening is you've got a conscious mind and a subconscious mind and the subconscious part of your mind has these programs in it. So you've got all kinds of programs. You've got a writing program. You were born, you didn't know how to write with your hand, you learned how to do it and now you can just do it without even thinking about it. Right? You can read, you can use a computer mouse, you can drive, you can ride a bike, you can brush your teeth. All these behaviors you've learned and now you just do them automatically. Well, your eating behaviors are the same thing. They're subconscious programs that you run. And so maybe you got a nighttime snacking habit and you say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna start my diet, today. I'm gonna lose weight. And then great, but then all of a sudden eight o'clock comes and some part of you is like, hey, it's time to snack and eat some ice cream because that's what I've done the last two years You know, at eight o'clock at night. You know, and so you try and use your conscious mind willpower to fight against that subconscious programming. Very ineffective because your subconscious mind is infinitely more powerful than your conscious mind. You have to understand that. If it wasn't, life would be easy. We would just do what we know we should, right? Your conscious mind is logical and rational. It knows what you should do, you know, but the problem is there's some part of you that keeps wanting to do the stuff you've always been doing that's not where you want to go. And you have no words to describe this. You have no concepts to understand this. Okay, so the conscious subconscious, you know, understanding is very helpful to at least be able to articulate what's the problem here? What is going on? Because if you're just, I just sabotage myself, there's no, there's no granular understanding of what's going on. And so you can't fix anything. And so the only tool you have is willpower, right? You have willpower. You try and force yourself to do the right thing. But what happens? It's tiring. 
It's tiring because your brain is not designed to do that. You're designed, you're an, you're designed to be on autopilot most of the time. You know, you're designed to do what you did and it's fine most of the time until there's an issue. And so say, well, I don't like my weight. Okay. Well, you've got all this subconscious programming that keeps you at that weight. And so your strategy is to try and fight against that programming. But what I'd suggest you do, and what I work with people to do is to use your conscious mind to reprogram your subconscious mind, change the subconscious program so that they run automatically in a way that they keep you at your goal weight. Cause you don't want to be fixated and obsessed with food and, and wait forever. Do you, <laughs> you know, and that's that strategy. I, I get, I, I think he's trolling, but if someone's like, well, my, my strategy is to eat 500 calories a day. Okay. That's going to be really hard because you're fighting every cell of your being, you know, you're starving, you're hungry. And so you have to try and fight that all the time. It's a never ending battle. That's what your dieting feels like. It feels like a never ending battle. That's why you end up stop doing it. Right? It's like you're doing it until all of a sudden you're just not doing it anymore. You can't keep it up. What it feels like, I say metaphorically, just so you can get a real grasp of what I'm saying is, um, it's like if you've ever gone on a vacation to a foreign land, right, that you've never been to before. Um, and it's like, it's, it's cool, it's fun, but it's like you don't know anything. Like you don't know where to get a coffee, you don't know where to get the paper, you don't know where anything is. And so you have to think about absolutely everything, you know? And so it's tiring. It's tiring to have to think about every little thing. You know, even if it's fun. And so when you're at home, you're just in a routine, right? You got your rituals, you're kind of just doing things on autopilot. And that's the way you're meant to operate. It's not a bad thing. And so again, when it comes to dieting, it's like living in that foreign land where you're, you're, all of a sudden you have to make every little decision about everything you're going to eat. That's so much cognitive energy it takes to do that, you know? And so that's why it feels like it's always this pressure and you're fighting against your subconscious mind on top of it. So it's a very ineffective strategy because of those reasons. You know, and yet it's what everyone does, you know, but it's ineffective. You know, it doesn't work well as evidenced probably by the results you get. You know what I mean? Like, again, I don't say that as a jerk, you know what I mean? But good Lord, you know, it's just right in front of you. No one's ever talking about this side of it. It makes me nuts. Everyone talking about weight loss is like, oh, just do this, do this, do this, right? Every diet's like, oh, here's the plan. Just do it. You know, the workout, oh, just do this. Yeah, great. The problem isn't I don't know what to do. The problem is I can't get myself to do it. It's great until I, I'm tired or bored or pissed off or whatever. And then all of a sudden everything's out the window. Isn't that the bigger problem for you? <laughs> you know, so you never learn how to influence your thinking, your feelings, your behaviors on a deeper level, you know? And so you just have this surface level trying to force yourself to do something. It's not working well. Okay. But again, the reason I say this to you is that I don't want you to take it as a personal shortcoming. I don't want you to take it as a character flaw. It's not, it's a bad strategy. Dieting is a very bad strategy. And so if you change up the strategy, you'll be shocked at how much more effective and successful you can be. Because <laughs> that's that's what I do. You know what I mean? Like I see it over and over and over and over again. People come into my program and work with me at the lowest point. I mean, no one starts off with a hypnotist. <laughs> you know what I mean? You end up with the hypnotist after you've tried everything else and nothing's worked. When you're desperate, you know, they mean that those are the people coming through my door. And so they feel like nothing's going to work. And so it's all about, you know, making them... Um, feel better by, by doing something different. You know what I mean? And I said, do it over and over and over and over again, you know? So it's not rocket science. It's just, it's one of these things that we just don't think of on our own for some reason. I don't know why, but, um, anyways, <laughs> if you got any questions, feel free to ask them. Uh, you know, if you're struggling with anything, we're going into the weekend, um, which I hope is a fun time for you. You know, I hope you enjoy the weekend. Some people are nervous about the weekend. They say, oh, I'm going to eat too much. I'm going to ruin my whole week. Um, and if you feel that way, again, you know, I always suggest is, and, and I, I tell you, like, it, it never ceases to amaze me that, that really, I guess what I describe is this, this process kind of taking a step back from yourself, you know, kind of looking at yourself from a different angle so that you can have more perspective on what you're doing. Cause we tend to like kind of experience life first person. We're just kind of going through it and we, we kind of lack perspective, you know, on what we're doing. So the ability to kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture can be so enlightening. You know, especially when it comes to your weight loss, because you, um, you know, you, you'll, you'll realize you, you just, you keep doing the same thing. Now, I'm Vicky's still on here. She's in the program. And she was talking yesterday how she, you know, once she got some perspective yesterday, she goes, you know what? I felt like, I felt like a, a, a mouse on the, on the wheel or a hamster on the hamster wheel, you know? And it's like, you can get so fixated on that, that, you know, and, and from that perspective of being the hamster, you're, you're da, 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 da. God, you just got to do this, you know, and then you take a step to the side of it and you look at it you're like, oh my God, I'm not getting anywhere. You, you send me like perspective is so crucial in this, this area, 
it's really crucial in every area probably, um, but it's especially here. So when you get some perspective on yourself, you can realize the way you're trying to lose weight is just like the hamster on the wheel. Like you're just obsessively, blah, 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 but it's not getting you anywhere. You know, so we take a step to the side and say, oh, Jesus, no wonder. You know, <laughs> so you start to activate more of your brain. Tips to cut sugar, I'm seriously addicted. Yeah, sugar, sugar's tough, right? Um, um, bum, bum. yeah. Um, tips to cut sugar. And I want to get you blind profit. That's interesting. Uh, so tips to cut sugar. I'm seriously addicted. I don't wonder why. I mean, sugar is like the closest thing food wise to cocaine. Um, literally sugar lights up the same pleasure centers in your brain that cocaine does. Uh, and it's very, it's processed in a very similar way to cocaine, right? Um, cocaine itself, you know, isn't when you, when you just, people have been chewing on coca leaves, for centuries, you know, for probably longer than that. And um, they don't get wildly addictive and out of control with it, right? The problem with cocaine is that it's been processed down to a powdered substance, right? So it's way more concentrated and it's rapidly absorbed. Right? So we have coca leaves, which don't seem to be that big of a problem. They get a stimulant effect, but not to the level of powdered cocaine. And then we take that one step further and the biggest problem people have with cocaine is when they start smoking it. Right? Why? Because it absorbs into their body in a dramatic way and goes into the blood. So the faster, what makes something addictive is the distance between when you take it and when the effect happens. So the faster, the, the closer that is, the more addictive something is. This is why, if you ever watch The Insider with the cigarettes, they were all they had scientists in there working to see how can we get the tobacco to be absorbed faster. So they would put ammonia in the cigarettes because it helped absorb into the blood quicker, making it more addictive. You see? So I'm gonna bring it back to sugar. It's important the same thing because if you people think of sugar like you tap on the sugar cane and the powdered sugar comes out. No. Um you, you tap on the sugar cane and, and a, a thick brown granular, you know, sugar uh you know I don't know the word is comes out. And um and then it's processed way down into a powder. Okay. And so it's become it's the same type of thing, right? This sugar that we're consuming is hyper processed. You couldn't you couldn't make that sugar on your own. You know what I mean? I could give you a sugar cane and you couldn't come up with, with table sugar. It's, it's super processed. And so part of that is so that it's absorbed really fast, you know? And so, um, our, our brain likes that. Okay. Because there's two reasons why it's so addictive. One is that it literally does. It lights up the same pleasure centers, the way your brain works. Why do you like certain things? You know, a lot of it comes down to, you have to understand we're living in these bodies and brains that evolved in food scarce environments. So to make sense of anything, you've got to look back over evolutionary terms. And so when you eat something with a lot of calories in it, your brain releases dopamine, which is what makes you feel good. And so, so that you do more of it. So in a food scarce environment, if you've just, you know, killed a buffalo and ate it and uh, ate a bunch of, you know, things that you gathered and you're full, and all of a sudden you stumble across a beehive, you, you want to be able to eat that honey right? Even though you're full. So there's a thing called spontaneous veracity. And it's something that humans in food scarce environments adapted for because the more they could eat when the food was there, the more likely they were to survive. So we're all the product of ancestors that were able to eat a lot of food. And the way we're able to eat a lot of food is because when we get around calories, our brain says, eat more, eat more, eat more. So with the sugar, it's a lot, it's calories in it and it is absorbed very quickly. Okay. And it's sweet. And so sweet stuff in nature signals more calories, you see? So it's very, very addictive and it goes into your body and it's absorbed quick. So that makes it even more addictive. So you get this spike of blood glucose right away. So that's just some of the background, you know what I mean? So how do you cut sugar? I say the first thing I would suggest is I would watch a documentary on sugar. One of the big challenges have people have when they say, oh, I got a sugar addiction, is that it's the way they're thinking about sugar and you're thinking of it in a benign way. Okay. You're not recognizing, you're saying, well, I shouldn't eat sugar because I don't want cavities or I don't want to put weight on. But those consequences are too far in the future to really impact you much. What you need to do is shorten those consequences so that they're like five minutes away. And I think if you go and watch some documentaries about what sugar does once it goes in your body, so you may not know, sugar is actually two things. It's, it's a fructose and glucose, right? So table sugar is called sucrose and it's two, it's glucose and fructose. The fructose goes to your liver and the glucose goes into your blood sugar, is your blood sugar, right? And so as soon as you eat sugar, you spike your glucose levels in the most unnatural way ever in history. Never in history were you able to spike your glucose levels like you can now because there was nothing, there was no way to do that. 
know, everything else had fiber in it. And um, so you spike your blood sugar and then your body has to release insulin to clear it out because too much glucose all at once is inflammatory, it's toxic. And so again, remember, you could never do this in history, spike your glucose like this, you know? Now you can, And so now you say, oh shit, we gotta get rid of it, release the insulin. And now your body's not good at measuring how much insulin to release because it's never had to deal with this spikes of glucose. <laughs> so now you over-release the insulin and now it clears the glucose out of your blood, but now it crashes and now you're hungry again, right? So it's a, it's a wicked cycle. The other part, the fructose goes right to your liver. And again, it's so, it's absorbed so quickly that it overwhelms your liver. You wanna recognize it's a tsunami effect. You know, that's a key word to recognize here. It's just like in your town, you know, if it rains, 10 inches in a week, the town can handle it. If it rains 10 inches in an hour, it overwhelms the systems and causes more systemic problems, okay? So same thing's going on in your body. So every time you're consuming sugar, and, and especially high amounts of it, you are really, it, it's a toxic thing to your body. And I think as soon as you more closely recognize what the instant impacts of the sugar are, it may change how you feel about that, you know? Um, but you want to change the way you're thinking about sugar because, again, we've been inundated with marketing and the culture that minimizes the effects of sugar and normalizes it, okay? It's a very toxic substance. Now, I eat sugar sometimes, so I don't want to, I'm not sitting here talking like never eat sugar again, um, but but I manage it like I would, you know, my alcohol, you know what I mean? I drink alcohol, um, but I do it very moderately, you know, same thing. And anything else that you moderate, that you, you know, you have in your life, but you moderate it, I would suggest you put sugar in that category. You know, and the less sugar you eat, the easier it is to eat less sugar because the more sugar you eat, the more you want of it. So I'm beginning to lose interest in eating. Don't get me wrong. I still eat, but my focus is changing. Um, I think that's good to a point. You know what I mean? Like, like I would agree. I'm the same way. We've been so conditioned to think about food as entertainment and for food is all this emotional stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, food is fuel. That's its primary purpose. And I'm not saying you should never eat food for enjoyment. I think you should. But again, I think you should moderate that. If you're eating 100% of your food for entertainment and, and pleasure, you're probably going to be in trouble. And I say this as someone whose dad died of a heart attack at 54. This guy was known as an eater. You know, it was part of his identity and his personality. So it's like I have kind of strong opinions about that whole. And I was there too. I was, I was in that same boat um, until I, I learned a lot of this stuff and changed the way I thought about it. Um, but now I primarily, you know, I have, I have a, a structure I use five days, Monday through Friday, I eat for clean, for, for nourishment, for fuel. And then two days a week, I'll eat for pleasure. You know, now, um, when I say that I'm not going, I'm not binging on those two, I'm not going crazy. Um, I'm still eating for fuel as well, but I'm definitely eating more. My choices are more about pleasure. Okay. But I do think that, um, that becoming less interested in food, I always say like feeling more indifferent to food is very helpful because we have a very, we're in a very unnatural place right now where how we think about food is completely unnatural. <laughs> do you understand that, right? You do, I think on some level, but think about it before the last 50 years, really, it, we've never had food like this ever in the history of the world, you know? So if you go back to any time before 50 years ago, and there's a big difference between being a hunting, hunter gatherer and being a farmer was a huge shift in how we eat. But the biggest difference by a mile has been the last 50 years in the way we process foods and the way we market foods. You know what I mean? So um, this is this is the big challenge, you know? So, you know, it's it's literally, it's like, <laughs> hey, Nikki, or Nikita, is that Nikita? All right. Um, you know, you're, it, it's like, I, I always reference this, you know, I think of food, like I make a distinction. There, there's good food, nourishing food for yourself. And then I think of it almost like food cigarettes. You know, and I think it's a very helpful paradigm concept to look at your food and reference cigarettes, you know, because if you look at cigarettes a hundred years ago, right, no one thought cigarettes were unhealthy. <laughs> think about this, right? People were smoking and the cigarettes were, they weren't as addictive by the way, but, but they were addictive. And, uh, if you wanted to stop smoking, it was way harder because you didn't know all the negative impacts of it. You know what I mean? You didn't think about all the negative stuff of it. And so that's where we're at with our food, I think. I, I think it's starting to turn around, I don't know. But I, I, could, I would not be surprised in our life if we start to have like warning labels on food. You know, it's that dangerous. I mean, geez, 70% of the population in America is overweight or obese. The diabetes numbers are off the charts. I mean, these are real, real issues. I mean, it's literally life and death. People are dying. They're having morbidity issues because of the foods that they're addicted to. And 
I don't know. I mean, I think it's just such a big moneymaker all around. I always say the obesity conspiracy is really the food producers, the diets, and the medical establishment. And um, I think the medical establishment is one of treating symptoms, not finding cures. And so I think the medical establishment just makes so much money off of treating diabetes, treating heart disease, treating certain cancers, treating all you know weight-related issues. I think there's so much money to be made there that I don't think they're really motivated to cure the problem. You know, and so there's just so much money behind things that will kill you. It's it's literally no different. Well, it, it's different than the cigarette industry because it's so much bigger. <laughs> and so I think their power is just exponentially greater. But I think it's very helpful to look at the foods that you're eating as if they were run by the cigarette companies. I think that's a better paradigm to, to think through. And then you can make your own choices from where you want to go from there. Right. But I don't know how you feel about cigarette companies, you know, but you probably think of your food companies, you feel a lot warm and fuzzy about them. And cigarette companies, you're like, oh, they're like drug pushers. You pissed off at them. Right. But there's very little difference between the two of them. You know, they're selling us and not only just selling us these products, you know, I always say this, that you in your mind, you think of like, they're coming up with a new Oreo recipe. Like you think of like some, you know, chefs in a kitchen, you know, slaving over different recipes to see which one's the best. You don't think of it. These, these food recipes now are being made in laboratories by scientists. You know, I always say that the one I always remember is, um, I believe it was Ben and Jerry's, but the way they come up with their, their best recipes, because think about how you, you know, how do you think they come up with their recipes? You know, you think like, oh, Ben and Jerry, they're up in Vermont, you know, mixing up some ice cream recipes and see which one's best to their friends, their hippie friends, all high on weed. Oh, I like this one, dude. That ain't how it's working, right? You know what they do? They put people in an fMRI machine and they scan their brain real time and they drip little different um, ice cream, uh, you know, recipes on their tongue to see which one lights up their pleasure centers the most. I mean, that's almost, is, should that be legal? I, I don't know, you know, but what I'm trying to say is that they are scientifically making these foods so addictive. They have a thing that they call, they look for the bliss point of a food. So they try and identify the bliss point of a food so that it's, it's overwhelming. You can't say no to it, you know? And I'll, just let me take it one more point further. Frito-Lay has a whole campus, but on that campus, they have a $40,000 chewing machine. <laughs> It's a machine that chews chips because they're looking for the perfect pounds per square inch that's the most addictive and satisfying crunch for you to make on a potato chip. That's a potato chip. <laughs> that's just the crunch of a potato chip. Do you know what I mean? Like what we're up against, it, you have no clue. Do you know what I mean? It's the most like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's more addictive. I'm not gonna say it's more because it's different. So I don't want to come back like, oh, it's not like heroin. It, it's not like that, but it's the most like engineered addictive thing, the biggest, most engineered addictive thing in our society. And we're just blind to it because we're normalized to it, you know? So I say this to you because um, I think just like the cigarettes, if we didn't know, because you look at the, I mean, you see it, it's, it's factually based. Never mind, um, we knew cigarettes cause cancer, right? So in the 80s, we knew cigarettes cause cancer at that point. Okay, but even knowing that wasn't enough, it really wasn't until they put all these PSAs and all these advertising campaigns out there viscerally associating all this negative stuff to cigarettes that the numbers started to tank, you know, and so that's what it ain't happening with food anytime soon. So if you're struggling with food, you better learn how to do that to yourself. And I would say that's what I did. So that's why what I always teach people is basically self-hypnosis. You know, um, you I, I teach people, program yourself in technique. It's a self-hypnotic program technique you use on yourself. And basically, it's basically, because what's a commercial? Every commercial is a hypnosis session. They're looking to create an emotion and attach it to their food. It's very Pavlovian. They're, look at Mountain Dew's, the, the probably most egregious one. No, Coca-Cola is, I think. Coca-Cola can't get any worse with it. What do they do on the side of their cans? They put your name on it. Right. So you have all these human emotions for these cans, right? You look at a can and it's like your, your crush's name or it's someone who you love and care about. And you see their name on the soda can, right? You no longer see it as, you know, colored sugar water. You see it as you have all these emotions attached to it. And then that impacts how much you consume it and how you think of it. You know, you're not logically thinking anymore. This is, this is a colored carbonated sugar water. You're thinking, oh, that's, this is, this is America. That's, that's Santa Claus. That's, that's that time I hung out with my dad and he said he loved me. <laughs> like it's all this bullshit and it overwhelms us and it causes us to drink more of it. It's literally hypnosis. Cause what's hypnosis? It's just the bypassing of the critical faculty. You know, it's just impacting your subconscious mind, you know? And, um, 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, Coca-Cola triggers nostalgia. Did you know that's where the modern day Santa Claus comes from? Right. They were the first ones that came up with that. That, that typical thing we all think of with Santa, that was a Coca-Cola ad. Do you know what I mean? So it's like literally associating Coca-Cola with Christmas. Could there be any, you know what I mean? It, it's insidious. And so it, it, it's insidious and it's overwhelming. You know, and um, so every every food ad you see is a hypnosis session aimed at you. And people say, oh, I don't pay attention to the ads. Yeah, you don't have to pay attention to them. <laughs> They're impacting your subconscious mind. So you don't, you don't have to say, oh, this, fucking, this ad's stupid. It's not going to affect me. Yeah, it is affecting you. When you see the same ad 100 times an hour for five months, <laughs> I promise you, I promise you it's affecting you, right? They don't all affect us, you know what I mean? But the ones that do affect you affect you a lot. And so... Um, there's no stopping that necessarily. You can cut it out a bit. But I think the real secret is to understand what they're trying to do, which is they're literally just using hypnosis. And, and I want you to use this. I want you to, I want to give you a pair of glasses to be able to see this stuff in the world. Because once you see it, then you can start to recognize and you start to defend against it. But the next time you see a food ad, I mean, you could do this with any ad, but especially a food ad, I want you to notice how they're looking to elicit an emotion in you, create some feeling that, that you feel, and then they attach it to their product. And it's just Pavlov's dogs. That's all they're doing to us. And so that emotion blurs our vision. It blurs our, our logic. And instead of looking at things in a logical way, we get very emotional. And that is the problem people have with losing weight is they've got all these emotions attached to the food. I cannot tell you. See, you don't know this. Like, It's like what I, doing 5,000 prior weight loss sessions, doing this for so long, what do people tell me? So I want to stop eating the junk food. They say, oh, I got to stop eating the junk food. I keep eating too much junk food. And we get down to it. And it's almost always the same conversation that when we really get down to it, they don't want to give up the junk food because they feel like they're losing a friend. They feel like they're losing a best friend. I mean, that that is almost every time we get to that point. Now you may say, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Your subconscious mind just associates things together. Your conscious mind is logical and rational. Your subconscious mind just associates things together. Like Pavlov's dogs just links them together. They don't have to make sense. You know, we link them together and it affects us. And that's where you're at, you know? So how do you deal with it? Well, you learn this process of how to influence your subconscious mind. It's not hard. You're doing it all the time. You just don't realize you're doing it. And so once you realize what you've been doing, um, it's, it's easier and it's better. It feels better. You know, I always kind of compare it to like, you know, it's like, say you drive to work every day and it's the worst drive. It's like, there's a lot of traffic. It's through the worst part of town. It's ugly. It's gross. You don't like it. And then one day I come out and I say, oh my God, you didn't know there's a road right here. It's half the time. Um, there's never any traffic on it. And it's a beautiful view, right? So if I told you that, how many times do I have to tell you that for you to just start going that way all the time? Well, you do it right away. It's better. You already know how to drive. You just, I'm going to go that way now. Okay. It's the same thing. You're always programming your mind. So once you learn that the way you've been doing it sucks and making me miserable, and once you realize how easy it is to do it in a way that makes you feel good and get you the results you want, you just start doing it, you know? And so it's like, it's such a different approach to change. Um, but you can test it out, you know? So you go to my, my bio there, I'll give you a free hypnosis. You just test it out. If you've never used hypnosis before, um, or if you've never used hypnosis, it's worked, test this one out. You know, and then on top of that, once you get through there as a presentation for you, three steps to master your weight, watch it, you know, you can get better results than you've been getting, you know, again, it's, it's not a you problem. It's a strategy problem. And so improve the strategy, improve the results, right? That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right. All right, everyone, I'm going to get out of here. going to go have fun Friday night. I hope you all have a fun Friday night as well. Remember, you can go check out my podcast, program yourself in YouTube channels, Jim Katsoulis. Um, just, I'm going to, I might put that up right now, but I've been putting up some, uh, I've been doing some coaching with people and uh, I videotape it so you can watch me do these things with a person within context. Okay. So if, if anything I'm saying is interesting to you, watch it in context with people that are actually trying to lose weight and see how it can be applied. I think you might find it really interesting. All right. Um, Blind Prophet, you're, you're welcome. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. Bye.